Well, good morning to you all. I am so excited about the men's fishing trip. Uh, we actually got Sturgeon Lake, the family camping spot, that's right, got its own beach and everything. And uh, you guys probably saw that May 1st, if you uh, register, you have your chance of winning that beautiful little uh, uh, fishing tackle box. I am glad you're here, and I'm glad I'm here, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I'm glad I'm here because I have spent 12 days with the cold of death. And uh, some of you have had it. First service, I had lots of people come to me and say, man, I've had it for three weeks. Well, I can tell you, I have had, like up to yesterday, I have been feeling miserable. I never really had a fever, but I had the aches. But the head cold, and every night, somewhere in the night, I'd have to wake up and cough up a lung, clean it up, put it back in. And uh, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful ride. Guess what? In that 12 days, I've been a little cranky. So if I've been cranky to you, I apologize. Give me a break. I'm sick. But I say that to you because I want to ask you a question. Do you think God is there for the body, soul, and spirit? We come to church and we say, okay, yeah, God's there for my spiritual life. But I don't need him for anything else. And I want to say to you, that's a mistake. Because God wants an intimacy with you. And he wants to speak to you about your body, soul, and spirit. And if you are physically down because of this, that, or the other reason, he wants to minister to you in a special way. So last Sunday, I was really sick. I got to sit at the table up here. Thank goodness I got to sit during that time. And uh, in the back, we're getting ready to come out. And one of our newest people attending our church on the worship team comes up to me and says, can I pray for you? And they laid hands on me and they prayed. See, that's the family of God doing its work and understanding that God is there for body, soul, and spirit. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, as we move into the book of Acts chapter four, we are going to see how you, God, are there moving, transforming, changing hearts and lives. And that change is, is noticeable. That change is real. It, it is recordable, in this case, in words. And Father, we as a church, we as a society, especially a Christian church in North America, we in a lot of ways are in decline, we're stuck, and we need new power, we need new transformation. And God, we like to pray in a generic big church way, but bottom line, as I look in the mirror, whether it was this morning before I came to church or later today, that's the guy that needs change. We can be so critical in our culture. We can criticize the church, criticize other Christians, and yet we haven't even looked in the mirror to see ourselves. We need a new intimacy with you. We need a new power with you. We need to have some breakage from cycles of defeat. And some here today may need to make appointments with Mel and his team. For God, you want us to grow. You want us to become 
more whole than what we have. And because we are changing and being transformed and our hearts are going in new directions, those around us are gonna pick that up and our society will be transformed because I looked in the mirror and I have intimacy with you. So God, do a work in us today. Bring your word alive. Let your Holy Spirit flow in power. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So this past week, I met with my mentoring group, and my mentoring group is with uh, Church Renewal, and uh, there's about 18 guys. I've told you before, I've got a guy in England that comes online. Uh, we've got a guy in South America, Africa. Uh, there's a few from the States, a bunch from all over Canada, one from Malaysia that comes online. So you get kind of a bit of a feel for the church throughout the world in what I'm about to say. Our moderator this week asked an opening question. He asked us, if God is at work in your people, your elders board, the people in the pew, how would you know it? I can tell you traditionally the answer would be, well, they came knowing their memory verse this week or they watch the video that we're preparing, or they show up to church almost every Sunday. I wanna read some of the pastors as we've been getting clarity what they had to say. One pastor said, he described how his elders are coming to the meetings with things that God is doing in their lives. They're, they're no longer coming with opinions or strategies or different kind of, here's what we need to do, I've read the latest book. But they're coming talking about what God's speaking to them about. Another pastor said, people are coming with stories of transformation. He described how one lady who came to him recently and said, pastor, for the first time in years, I'm getting something out of your sermons. And you're going, oh, yeah, maybe you're describing me. But he went on to describe, this lady has been so in tune and in touch and intimate with God that she's coming with new eyes, new heart, and she's hearing from the Lord, no matter if I have a good sermon or a bad sermon. Another said they have people spontaneously, without being asked, talk about what the Bible is teaching them, convicting them about, transforming them with. Another pastor said, it's obvious, it's unity. When the Spirit is moving, when God is changing hearts and lives, there's a unity that comes about, like in rising above. Some of the things my elders at this church, your elders, have said to me is, they have never felt so united and clear of a direction in any church they have ever attended. These are good signs of the spirit moving. Doug Balzer, the president or the presenter at the Soul Care Conference, we had 90 people at the Soul Care Conference, and by the way, four of the staff said this week that God really ministered to them and brought them some freedom in some new areas, but Doug said to me this week as we were debriefing, he said, there's a change in your church. He said, three years ago I came to do a Holy Spirit weekend. There was such a resistance of things of God. And he said, I came this time, and there was an open hand 
And people are saying, and they're, they have a holy discontent. They're, they're tired of where they're at. So what's changing? What's going on in the world? What's going to bring Canada to its knees in prayer? If my people will humble themselves and pray. Friends, individuals are hearing from God. I ran into somebody this morning who, oh, a couple of years ago, I'd asked them, why did you do that? And they said to me, because I felt God wanted me to do that. And I, I remember wrinkling up my forehead going, hmm, what does that mean? See, this is what God wants. He wants to speak to you. He wants to have an intimacy with you. This isn't information. You might say, well, I want that intimacy with God. I'm gonna memorize more Bible verses. That's not bad. God speak to, speaks to us primarily in the Bible. But this is not about strategies or opinions, but this is about connecting with God and hearing what he has to say. And it takes a little bit of work it's interesting, I bought a dash cam, I've told you guys that. One of the reasons is because it warns me of all the uh, speed cameras in town. I need to update it so it warns me of more. But I was driving the other day, and uh, like usual, like clockwork, it warns me of a speed camera right by Honda. And, and I'm, I'm completely in another world. And I just get past the light and I look at my odometer. I was going with the traffic and I, sort of wonder if I'm gonna get something in the mail. I tell you that because even when my speed camera tries to warn me and speak to me, I can get so focused on other things that I don't hear anymore. And God is nothing like a speed camera, like a dash cam. God is flesh and bones. I mean, he, he loves us. He's spirit, and, and he wants to speak to you, and he wants to have a relationship with you, and he, he wants to whisper uh, that he loves you and cares for you, and he, he wants to grow your character, and he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He, he wants to tell you what's wrong and help you get there to what's right. Today we're gonna see in the early church how Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, changed a ragtag bunch of people in Jerusalem. And you know the drill, you know the story. These were regular, ordinary people. They weren't politicians or leaders. They weren't even religious leaders. They were fishermen and regular folks. And God took this regular bunch of people and he began to do incredible transformational stuff. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter four, and we're gonna start in verse 32. And we're gonna see, to start with, how God brought unity with the believers. Acts chapter four, verse 32 says, all the believers. Now, I don't know how often I can say all of Grand Prairie Alliance Church, but Acts records it this way, all the believers we're one in heart and mind. I wanna explain something to you. This doesn't mean that they were clones and didn't have their individual thoughts. In fact, Paul says that we need to have some division or different thinking amongst us so we can figure out what God's will is. But at the end of the day, when the Holy Spirit is reigning in the church and in the lives and the hearts of people, there is a unity of heart and mind. We wrestle through stuff, but in the end, we're together. 
because we are all baptized into one spirit. Nothing shocks me more than when people claim to be Holy Spirit-led, Holy Spirit-filled, and yet they are seldom manifesting the characteristics of a godly person, let alone a Spirit-filled person. There's about five of you here that write notes, a few after the first service showed me. (coughs) And so we're gonna bring up on the screen a list of verses, some homework for you to do this week. There they are, 1 Corinthians 13, Galatians 5, Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, 2 Peter 1, 1 Timothy. Go ahead and write them down in James chapter 3. Just leave them up there for a bit. These are a bunch of Bible passages that describe some of them, like when you look at Galatians 5, if you read verse 18 and before that, it lists off some sins of the flesh. Uh, A lot of them often, if you read around them, will say that. But what these do is they talk about what God wants in the Christian believer. This isn't legalism. You're gonna see today, this is Holy Spirit stuff. You're gonna see today that God wants to transform you into somebody new and somebody different, and it's a process. It takes time. And I prayed at the beginning, I hope you are getting a holy discontent for where you're at, because it doesn't matter if you're 58, my age, 80, like some other's age, 12, somebody else's age here, God wants you to grow in character and he wants to love you to that place. Friends, the gospel brought unity in the church. Did you hear that statistic on the announcements? 25% of Christians sitting in the pew have somebody they can't forgive. I have struggled now and again with that, but unfortunately I read my Bible and I listen to God and he will convict me and lead me to transformation and lead me to forgiveness. If you are angry or greedy or any of the worldly characteristics listed, then God's love is not getting in. Again, remember I said I was sick last week. Sometimes we just get ourselves in that place. But I want to tell you, God's there for your body, soul, and spirit. Much of the stuff I see Christians say on Facebook or Twitter is not terribly loving. Yes, there is a place for truth and love. Find the most loving person before you post something and say, is this loving? Am I showing some real Christian character here? Or am I just being judgmental and condemning? So another thing besides this beautiful love and unity that showed up, the second thing that showed up in the early church was generosity. And I want to stand, if I had a pulpit here, I'd pound it right now. I can tell you that greed, materialism, holding on, taking it and saying, I've worked hard for it, I'm being a good steward, my favorite Christian saying, Another cloaked word for, it's mine. But I can tell you, if you have the heart of Christ, Philippians chapter two, you will give up everything for others. When God whispers to you, I want you to hand those keys to that car over to, you're gonna do it. Acts chapter four, verse 32. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything they had. This isn't communal living, by the way. 
This isn't living in a colony. This is just family being family. I can tell you I have four children. They have spouses. I have some grandchildren. And I can tell you that I would flip and throw them my keys, any one of them, to any of my cars. Why? Because they're my kids. And if they smashed up my prized 2013 Volkswagen Beetle, my first question would be, are you okay? It's a piece of metal. I, I just have buried both my mom and dad in the last few years. All their stuff is gone. Well, I collected a few things. All that stuff they hung on to, all the things that gave them self-worth, it's all gone. What lingers on? Their love, their character, how they cared for others. The church, when the Holy Spirit got a hold of individuals, there was a generous spirit that welled up, and there was nobody that needed anything. Everybody was sharing. When we get a kingdom of God perspective, when the Holy Spirit is at work in you, then generosity flows out. Think about, I mean, really think about it. Why don't you lend or give stuff away? And let me challenge you for ask God. What's my problem? Well, you know, last time I lent stuff away, this happened. I've kind of noticed something. People that hang on to stuff, bad things always seem to happen to them. They think, okay, I'm going to lend it out. And then something where the car gets smashed up. Well, I'm never doing that again. I'm being a bad steward. I knew they couldn't drive a car. It's God's stuff. He can handle it. I need to be a good steward, you say. A good steward for who? If God is at work in you, generosity shows up. If you're struggling with being greedy, pray. Get into a relationship with God. Let him intimately fill you with his Holy Spirit. And ask God, what are you afraid of? Ask God to flow his heart into your heart. There's a third thing the text shows that shows up. The church got really focused. I want to kind of, before I read this text, remind you that the apostles just before this had been hauled into court, the religious leaders of the day, and they said, we don't want you proclaiming Jesus Christ resurrected. And do you remember the response? Should we listen to you or God? We live in a society that we barely get any persecution as a Christian. You go, well, have you read the media? I know. We're not terribly well loved out there by a lot of people, and it's getting worse. But right now, we really don't get thrown in jail, beheaded, killed, crucified for our faith. Not yet, anyway. But yet, so many of us, we won't tell anybody about the resurrection. So listen, chapter 4, verse 33. In very difficult country and circumstances, a new movement of God with great power. Did you hear that? With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now don't get me wrong, this isn't talking about being prideful, arrogant, aggressive and nasty. This is telling the truth in love, gently, caringly. Looking in the mirror, letting God change you, being open and honest with people. Yeah, I'm sorry. I struggle with anger outbursts, I'm working on it. So the fourth and final thing that's listed in this text, and I need to kind of explain it because the first word in the next verse in 33b is the word and. Now in the Greek that's the word chi, 
And in the Greek, so in the English, when the word and shows up, it means everything after it is added on to what I've just said. But in the Greek, it actually can tie together what has just been said and what is just being explained. So the three things that I just talked about, unity, what was the rest? Okay, you got it, you're getting there. I got the notes, focus, generosity. Listen to this, and God's grace, by the way, God's grace is different than people's grace. Our grace always has something attached to it. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. God's grace is free. We don't deserve it. God's grace was so powerfully at work, listen to these words, in them all. Changed hearts, changed lives. They were being transformed. Verse 34, that there were no needy persons among them. Hmm. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. The Landis Foundation just did that kind of weird thing. And we, I know we have at least one person from the Landis Foundation that attends our church, but not all of them do. They go to some other churches. But I think that's admirable. That's the Holy Spirit's power at work. That's generosity at work. That's a unity of mind at work, being like-minded Christians. Verse 36, Joseph, giving a personal example, a Levi from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, interesting, next week, a little bit of a spoiler alert. Next week, Zananias and Sapphira. And it falls right on the heels of all this good stuff going on. And you can start reading chapter five ahead if you would like. Try to get some opinion on it. Then you can come and critique me. But this guy sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is God at work. This is God at work. Has your Christianity moved to this level yet? Is there a sense of unity in the church? Are you loving everybody? Are you getting something out of the sermons? You know, you can go, well, pastor, you, if you would just, you know, you got this nasally, cold-sounding thing going, I just couldn't listen to you, I'm sorry. You aren't pronouncing words clear, your voice is kind of croaky. Now you're all gonna be irritated the rest of service because I pointed it out. God wants to work in us, each one of us. He isn't finished yet. I love what Doug Balzer said at Soul Care. He started off by saying, do you think it's possible that you could go deeper with God? And then he said, let me describe God. Is God not limitless? Isn't God not endless? Isn't God so deep you can't go to the deepest sea and find anything that deep? If you think that you have arrived or have got somewhere, then you're mistaken. Four of our staff, and I could list off their names for you, but I didn't get their permission. I can tell you, some of them are even as mature or more mature than me. And they testified this week, God did a new work in this area of my life. I know my elders, as we've been breaking into triads and confessing sin and, and growing, my elders are just getting so on fire with God. Uh, they're being the branches and they're letting Jesus be the vine. 
They're not falling for the old trap of the Garden of Eden and living life on their own. They're, they're actually listening to God's voice. I started thinking about the sermon as I was preparing it this week, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna talk to Annette Weave. She's our Faith and Deed Ministry Director, and I said, can you write me a letter? Because I know God's been at work in the church, and it's showing up in your ministry. So please write me what's been going on. So here's her words. Here's a brief history of the pantry. When I joined the Faith and Deed Ministry, it was being run by one person, Michelle. And I can tell you, Michelle was run off her feet. We should have been paying her because she was putting in 40 hours a week and she couldn't keep up. There was need in the church and in the community. The purpose, she writes, was and is to meet the immediate needs of the community or the church family through physical help, bills, food, etc. God has grown this ministry from one mainline front person to 12 frontline volunteers who are both male and female. We as a team always look for ways to develop relationships to minister to the individuals, listen to this, body, soul, and spirit. They're doing a whole person approach with the hope of leading them to Jesus. I can tell you that Michelle tried to do that, but she was so run off her feet she was just writing checks. Through the frontline ministry, Annette writes, it was determined that we need to help fill a missing service in our city and in our church. We developed the pantry program, which comes alongside the working poor, seniors, students, and others who have slipped through the cracks. We determined that it would cost the church approximately about $1,800 per family, and that in faith we would go out and we try to help six families. The account at that time had $18,000 in it. It would take just 10 families to drain the account. <coughs> and here comes her, and I love this next sentence. She writes, but God, dot, dot, dot. We have assisted 30 families and are sitting with a balance of $37,000. So they keep helping more and the account keeps building up. We have now have an additional 18 volunteers who operate this ministry on top of the rest. In previous years, we've had a hard time building relationships, but as families come weekly for their food, relationships are naturally developing. We also supply a Saturday night supper twice a month for the marginalized in our community. We have several families involved in this ministry. And because of the increase in the volunteer base, we can do more peer-to-peer -peer counseling, run financial courses and Bible studies, and listen to this. I believe this is all the work of the Holy Spirit in our church, and I'll add in the individual lives, looking in the mirror, and God is speaking to people. Praise God for changing us so we can lead others into experiencing transformation, only he knows what's next. So this morning, Go ahead and clap. So this morning I was having some reading material, I was taking care of some business, and I was looking on Facebook and uh, a Filipino couple that work for Church Renewal, they're heading to the Philippines, they've been given permission to work with 10,000 churches in Renewal, and it's just incredible how God's put that about. And this is an interesting couple because they'd been trying to go to Florida to pastor a Filipino church down there and God kept closing the door for two years because God had another plan. 
And God began to speak to them. And so I look at the Facebook feed this morning, and this guy's got a Facebook feed, and he writes, I wished I had learned this sooner, and he posted a book. And I thought, oh, I've never heard of that book. Anybody here like Charles Stanley? Oh, just a couple of you. I love Charles Stanley. He's great stuff. Did you know he's written a book called How to Listen to God? He wrote it in 1985. While I was sitting on the front pew, I browsed the first chapter and a little bit into the second. It's good stuff. And like church renewal, he will say, God primarily speaks to you through the Bible. And then he lists off three more ways that God speaks. So I I got it for free online. I think you could probably grab it too. Just read through it. God wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to direct you. I spoke to one couple that's wondering what to do about their business this morning. And I can boldly say to them, God is going to speak to you this week about this. And they said back to me, we believe that. We know that's going to happen. Let me just close with a few comments. Do not confuse knowledge about God for intimacy with God. You're going, oh, I need to read my Bible more. Yeah, you probably do. I need to pray more. Yeah, you do. But you need to listen more. You need to be in a relationship with him. I've been in a marriage for over 33 years, and if I've learned anything, and we men are a little bit slow, I'm sorry, wives, we're just a little slow, but I've noticed that my wife likes to speak sometimes, and it just, you guys figured out, I'm a little bit of a talky person. Have you met my wife? People love to talk to her because she never says anything. I mean, she will, she's got great people skills, But over the years, she's gotten a little frustrated. Can I say something now? Is God maybe saying that to you? You're going, oh, but I got this plan. I got this scheme. I I know, and and I will. And I've told you guys before, I wanted like crazy puppy. And I don't know, I'm so tired from getting up at night with this puppy, but I wanted this puppy. And my wife said, did you ask God? And I went and asked God, and God said, I don't care. Get the dog if you want. Just know it's going to be a little bit of work. You see, God, he's given us all sorts of stuff to be responsible for and make decisions on, but we don't listen. He wants to work in our hearts. He wants to transform us. He wants to change us. Take those verses, read through them. And let me challenge you this week, and this is a conclusion. Let me ask you, is Jesus still changing your heart and mind? Is he still changing your heart and mind? Number two, are you comfortable with your sins or shortcomings? And by comfortable, I mean... Like my dash cam, you're just not hearing anymore. Oh, a speed camera, look at the speedometer, oops. Well, I guess I'm just a heavy-footed person. Number three, here's your homework. Take time this week and ask God and the people close to you, I've been doing this in the last little while, it's been a little awkward and uncomfortable, but it's been good. Ask people close to you if there's one recurring character flaw that needs transformation. And let me give you a little bit of a warning from a Bible verse. 2 Corinthians 7.12 says, godly sorrow, that could be translated, and I think some translations do, godly conviction brings repentance that leads to salvation. Some translation says leads to life. And leaves no regret. So when you go about your business this week asking God, is there something I need to grow in? Just work on one thing, by the way, nothing more. Asking people around you, but listen to this, but worldly sorrow 
or conviction brings death. So we need to start to learn what's the devil's voice, the world's voice, and our own voice. And what is God talking to us about? And if we're in the word, if we're listening to God, I mean, God's voice is always positive, upbeat. Uh, He will convict of things. He will pick out one thing and say, hey, you need to work on this. And then you get some Bible verses and memorize them, maybe have some people praying for you, asking the Holy Spirit to fill you, and say, yeah, God, with the Holy Spirit's power, what did it say? It's gonna lead to salvation and leave no regret. Can you imagine your family around you? Can you imagine your coworkers, and suddenly you're not blasting off with a temper anymore? Or you're not like, you know, some of us were the opposite of temper, we leave the room. I'm so upset I'm leaving the room, I can't listen to deal with this anymore. Can you imagine if you just stay engaged? Can you imagine when you get that nasty email, you don't fire a nasty email back, but you wait a day or two and you pray about it, and you even get your wife to read it first, and you start sending loving words back? The truth in love. Friends, this is what God has called us to be and to do. Can you imagine a church that's unified? Can you imagine with, that has one mind and spirit going on? Can you imagine a church that's generous, that there is nobody with need in our midst, and and even in our city there's nothing going on, because, and by the way, we already are getting a reputation for that. All the social agencies in town know that our church will help where nobody else will help. Can you imagine our church being so focused single-mindedly that we're gonna start telling people about the resurrected Jesus? We're not gonna tell people, oh, we're so good because we have a beautiful building or this, that. We go, no, it's about Jesus and the cross. Can you imagine God's grace at work in us that all this stuff is just flowing out like crazy because you're looking in the mirror and you're saying, okay, God, how about today? Where's the power? Where's your presence? And, and being aware, when God's tapping you on the shoulder, say, red light camera, red light camera, speed zone, or he's saying, speak words of life to this person. Tell them your story. Tell them the gospel message. Tell them when you came to Christ. Tell them about your marriage and when it was in tatters and and what God did to put it back together. Start listening to his voice. Now this morning, that Charles Stanley thing, that was me sitting and trying to listen to God just through my day-to-day life. And I read that and I went, Okay, God, I guess you want it. And I put it in the first sermon even before I read it. And I read through in between service and I went, wow, that was brilliant, God. I mean, I know I can trust Charles Stanley, but I wasn't sure. Are we gonna start listening to God like that? Are we gonna have an intimacy with him? This isn't a knowledge thing. Keep that up. Keep the doctrine and theology and the Bible study going. But start hearing the voice of God. Are you with me? He wants to speak to you, he wants to grow you, he wants to empower you, he wants to fill you with his spirit. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I long for the day where I can say all of Grand Prairie Alliance Church, and I don't know, but God, maybe we're already getting there. I know, I know our ladies group on Wednesday morning, they're just on fire, they've been going through soul care, Ladies have been finding freedom, and I I hear ladies that were even sometime indifferent to me saying, man, I so enjoyed your sermon last Sunday, and I'm going, well, I don't know, I didn't do anything different. And God, you're just getting a hold of people. 
you're changing us. You're moving us from this critical, nasty part that the world is at, and you're drawing us together. You're helping us to speak the truth in love, with all sorts of love. We're able to give away houses in love, and not for some merit we're trying to gain with you. Uh, your Holy Spirit is speaking to us so much and so personally that we're buying lunches for people and we're, we're going over to help the neighbors snowblow his driveway. Uh, God, would you just help us? Hopefully that's not prophetic, God, about snowblowing driveways. But would you, God, just work in us? We open up our hearts. We open up our ears. We want your Holy Spirit to give us power like the early church. And God, I'm not asking for this just for me, but, but for all the churches in the world, all the churches in Grand Prairie, would you bring a new sense of, of hearing you, of, of your voice leading us, of, of a power that's changing individuals? And I look in the mirror first, God. Change me. I'm open. Work in me. In Jesus Christ's name I pray these things. Amen.